Welcome everybody to the Healing Place Podcast. This is your host, Terry Welbrock, and just wanted to take a second to thank you for being here and a part of this healing space, for liking, sharing, commenting on videos, and uh, yes, just helping this show continue to grow. Had our best month ever in October, so excited about that. Almost doubled September's downloads, um, which is just incredible. And the show's been on the air for over four years, four years and three months. Started in July of 2017. And last month's downloads accounted for over 11% of total downloads over all of that time. So it just, just absolutely blossomed. And I have you to thank for it. Um, so many people saying, hey, I was talking about the Healing Place podcast and told this friend to listen in. Or, hey, I have somebody who's experiencing some severe grief and so um, yes can you tell me what show to they need to listen to so it's just been wonderful and I just wanted to say thank you um, again a reminder to go to academy.terrywalbrock.com tell folks I have online courses and coaching available thanks now for the show hi everybody welcome to the healing place podcast I am very, very excited to have with me today, Carrie Hummingbird, who is soul guide, shamanic healer, award-winning author, and inspirational speaker. So welcome, Carrie. Oh, thanks so much, Terry, for having me here. Absolutely. And I, I'm just excited to, to dive into the work you're doing in the world. So if you could just give a brief introduction of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I I help people to aligned to their true nature underneath all of the programming we get from our uh, upbringing and our society. And particularly, I help um, women and mothers to step into their mother's wisdom, really trust that so that they can lead the next generation into a better earth. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of healing to do in order to, to manifest that outcome. And so I help people do that inner that inner reconciliation, that inner work in order to make that outer out, um, outcome. Beautiful. And I love it that you said we have a lot of healing work to do because it's not just about healing ourselves really, but there's, there's so much history that comes with it. I know from my own personal history, just my relationship with my mother, but now knowing her trauma history and just that, that genetic part of it. Do you work with that as well? Yes, uh, the ancestral DNA uh, causes a lot of the repeating patterns and a lot of the experiences that we have inside of our bodies that we couldn't explain necessarily. Um, I had several times in my life where I was all of a sudden doing a behavior that was out of nowhere. And it's like, where'd that come from? I, that doesn't, it's not even in my wheelhouse. I don't understand how that's here. And over the course of understanding and doing a lot of training and working with energy medicine and um, learning about ancestral DNA and about the Akashic records and all of these things. Um, what I, what I've learned is that these things that are in our, in our DNA and our very vessel can kick off and they might have nothing to do with this current lifetime. They might have something to do with some other lifetime. They might have something to do with an ancestor. They could be a repeating pattern that's happening that you just became aware of that. Oh my gosh, this is a repeating pattern from, you know, five generations ago or my mother or whatever. And so it's really that process of getting that, that eagle eyes view into those things. And then, you know, diving down to the root and, pulling that root out and saying, you know, it stops with me. Like this trauma stops with me. Yeah. And we give our, our kids a better future. The indigenous people say that 
when we do healing on ourselves, we heal our ancestors seven generations back and forward. And uh-huh. so it's a huge ripple effect in the pond of our, of our human genome whenever we do our own work. That's such a beautiful philosophy to think about, like that we're helping those in the past and the future as well as ourselves. I mean, just a gift. Yeah, we uplift the whole timeline. And the cool thing about the work that I do with people is I bring them along this sort of um, magical um, peeling back the veil and seeing how it works that I've learned how to do, where I realized that as I was making huge shifts within myself and and really up-leveling myself into higher frequency thoughts and behaviors and expression, um, I was noticing wow, it just seems like everything lifted. It feels like the entire matrix of my life lifted. It doesn't feel like just me. It feels like everything lifted. And that's that thing we're talking about with seven generations forward and back. It actually ripples through the whole timeline, which then creates your experience right now even more uplifted. It's sort of like another way of saying it. I've heard one of my uh, mentors say, um, for every step you take, a thousand steps are taken for you on behalf of you by the invisible space that surrounds us and all the allies we have. And so I would say, yeah, it's like that. It's like when we make those profound shifts, when we get to the root and we pull it out, like amazing things can really happen for you in your life. Yeah. Well, and it all makes so much sense. I mean, humans are kind of a new little species, right? Or on this planet. I mean, and so relatively animals that have been around for so, so long and they learn like what insects to avoid, what predators to avoid. Like it's just, it it does, it becomes part of your DNA. So if a trauma happened way back when in your ancestry that uh, like me, I have this horrific fear of bridges, which I've talked about on the show before. And um, we've, I did EMDR therapy for four years for my trauma and so forth. We could never figure out the whole bridge part of it. And then I've had multiple people that have come on the show that have been intuitive healers and have said, oh, it has nothing to do with your current life. Like (laughs) this was another life or an ancestral thing. And it just, it makes so much sense to me now. Yeah. See, this is the sort of terrain that explains the unexplainable. It's the, it's the space of the subconscious, the you know, I think we're scientists have shown we're only using a really small percentage of our brains. And so what's the rest of that brain doing? Well, it's managing all this other stuff, this all this information and the subconscious. And so we can tap into that using these ancient wisdom tools and bring them into the modern day and learn how to navigate things from a whole new perspective. And, you know, that's how we ascend our consciousness. And we all, most of us have heard now in some way, shape, or form that we're, you know, we're in this renewal or this rebirthing of the human experience that we're, you know, we're entering into the age of Aquarius, might have heard that, or that we're entering, we're in the the time of the second wave is another thing you might have heard. So there's um, these metaphors for describing what's actually happening. And, you know, for example, like we've had these, we've had these examples on the planet for a long time like buddha or jesus you know people who really embodied their divinity fully and then came in to demonstrate that like hey you know this you are also this and of course the message got distorted and we thought you're a god you know so we need to bow down and like pray to you and you know subjugate ourselves to you and actually the message was no that's who you are and so this time we're entering now is that becoming is that that potential of the realization of the divinity within 
and activating that and walking the planet, you know, as that divinity expressed as you. And it's not like um, an egoic sense of God. It's more like the recognition that God is God, source, creator, whatever your word is, Allah, you know, I mean, all of it's the same, but that's expressing through you as you. And so we, we're coming into that recognition now. Yeah, I love that idea of that light, you know, being within us, and then we're able to shine it out. And yeah, beautiful. And we're moving out of conformity, you know, because so much of the planet has been mired in conformity to create a sense of safety as if we know what we're talking about, right? So if it's all conformed and it's all standardized and it's predictable, then we're safe. And yet then people who got laid off, you know, recently from their long jobs with their pensions that was supposed to be safe found out, oh, wait a second, that's not safe. <laughs> no, right. So it's a new definition of safety, you know? So we're, we're really, we're opening to what, um, in my, my book I channeled in 2019, it's called The Second Wave transcending the human drama. And in that book, um, White Eagle, who is my guide, talked about um, the, your unique thumbprint, that each person has a unique thumbprint. And we've proven that now, like no two thumbprints are ever alike. Think about that. Like every human being born ever on the planet, and you have a unique thumbprint. That's a testament to your unique life, you know? And, and so this I tell people this, it's like, you, you know, you cannot screw up being you, like you're the only one that ever was, right? Like, you can't mess it up. You, you are that, that is you. There's never be another one like you. There never has been one like you since. And so you get the opportunity to be this unique expression of the divine in physical form. You get to do that. That's your job. So if you don't like look inside and, and understand the being you are, designed to be in this thumbprint suit, nobody will ever discuss it. They'll never know about it. It'll never get revealed and it'll just die unexpressed. And I think that's more the shame than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, I, I mean, yeah, that made my heart happy. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you light up. You're like, oh, oh, I'm eating thumbprint. I love that idea. It's beautiful. <laughs> so now how did you get into this, uh, this line of work? Um, from a lot of years of being told I wasn't doing it right <laughs> and believing people you know, and then thinking I had to fix myself, there must be something broken in me. And going to all this psychotherapy week after week for decades and trying to fix it and taking the happy pills and not getting happy. And, you know, meanwhile, looking at my children and going, wow, I don't like, I don't like what's happening here. Like my children don't, they're not seem happy. They're not thriving in the way I want them to. And how come? And, you know, um, my, my oldest son, if anybody out there has a unicorn child, because seriously, I have a unicorn child. He, he's like, he'll do the opposite. Whatever you think you want him to do, he'll, he won't do it. He'll do the opposite. He's like the extreme nonconformist. So it's always been, you know, well, what, what's wrong? How come he's not doing what we expect him to do? How come he's not playing along? How come he's not, you know, playing the game that we all played and he's supposed to? And I was like, you know what? This is all a big mess. Like there's something so tangled about this situation and so messy and so murky. And I need to resolve it. I need to, I need to get out of this. I need to get above it. Like it's just too, too tangled up. It's dragging me down. And so I walked out of my 20-year relationship and I, I walked out of psychotherapy and I stopped taking the pills. And I just said, okay, 
what's next? Because that isn't working. That's just getting it more tangled. It's just getting it more murky and muddy. And I found this um, path to uh, the quest for authenticity. It was my first course with my first mentor, uh, spiritual mentor. And it was a shamanic course. So it was a study of earth-based spirituality. And it was um, began with a study of the book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, uh, which is a Toltec teaching. And I started studying, um, you know, what is authenticity? What is my authentic self? And And the Toltec path is all about revealing the conditioning, revealing um, the strategies you've used to, to stay safe, revealing the things you thought were true that kept you in a small life in your own little cage so you could feel safe, but actually you were chained up. And that was me. And I thought, I want to be free of all these chains. I want to get out of this cage. I want to fly. I don't want to be in this. And I want my kids to fly. I want them to, to, to express themselves. I want them to be lit up on the inside. I want the big old smile to happen. I want them to be, you know, empowered in their life and find their true destiny. And, you know, if I want that, then I can't just sit back in my armchair and say I want that for them. I have got to show them how to do it. And so I, I began this, uh, that intrepid journey, you know, to walk what the, what the indigenous people call walking the beauty way, which is walking step in step with our great mother um, teacher on earth here and learning, listening, walking, accepting the challenges, doing the hard things, you know, that my ego definitely didn't want to do and, and disrupting everything so that it could fall together in a better way. Yeah. Now, did you notice an impact on your children? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> My obviously, when as soon as you start changing, nobody wants it because they're like, put it back the way it was. I liked yeah. it better when you were pretzeling yourself and you know, like all twisted up and not trying to please everybody. That felt better to us when you just, you know, because I was that mom, I would do everything. I was like always like fixing everything and rescuing and and coming in and and talking to the teachers like you can't treat my son that way. And like I was the mom that was like almost preventing my kids' lessons, you know, because I was so concerned about them being hurt or stunted or all these things. And as I started realizing the role I was playing on the, tri the, the triangle of disempowerment, the triangle of disempowerment is the victim, the perpetrator, and the rescuer. My kids were the victims. My husband at the time was the perpetrator and I was the rescuer. And of course, in his story, I'm the I'm the perpetrator, right? So it right. flip flops. It depends on who you are. If you're if you're playing that game, you like being the victim, and everybody else is your perp. So you know, I was like, okay, well, I have to stop rescuing. I've got to get off this triangle. I'm not a victim. I'm not a perpetrator, and I'm not a rescuer. I need to get off, and everybody's gonna have to find their place. And yeah, it threw my whole family into a <laughs> a big old tussle, right? Because now I'm like a linchpin in these things, right? I'm like the central figure in so many things. And I just went, nope, not going to do that. And everybody else is like <laughs> either accepting that or trying to put it back in place. And so um, at this point now, my kids, uh, my oldest son, he is, he's really seeing the dynamics that were at play. He's, it's so clear to him, like what was going on. And he's still working to embrace his own sovereignty. You know, he's only, he's 21. So, you know, you can't rush these things. Right. Um, and my 18 year old is starting to see it reluctantly because there's so many loyalties, right? There's so many loyalties. And, and in a, in a world where somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong, if you're operating in that paradigm, then when, when 
somebody does something like I did, it just went like all the puzzle pieces in the air, like, nope, we're not playing that game anymore. Then the other people are like, well, I'm not going to be wrong. You're wrong, you know, so I'm going to scramble everything so that you're definitely wrong, you know, because I'm not going to be wrong. Right. And create some more drama around that is basically what happened. So yeah. I think he's starting to see like, that's pretty much what's happened. It's just that I stopped playing the game. I said, no, I'm not going to play that game anymore. Yeah. And I, I just, I tell my, my oldest uh, son, who's 27, I say, cause he's on a healing journey and in doing such amazing work for himself. And I said, what a gift it is to give it to your children in their teens or twenties or whenever you finally make the shift uh, for them to be able to figure it out and then know the healing work that they need to be doing. And it's uh, yeah. So. Well, you know, it's kind of like I made a huge mess in my family by doing that. And what I demonstrated was I can survive the mess. I can thrive in my business that I created from that mess. And now my relationships are coming back together. So like for a little while, my relationship with my mom was separated as I was working to heal the mother wound. Obviously that caused, you know, that was a lot of tension in the space. Um, and my dad passed away like three years ago. So all of these things conspired to support me in doing this deep healing on myself to reclaim my power as a mother. And then to also rectify my little girl, you know, and her ideas that she had built about my mother. And so all of this reconciliation work had to be done. And as I was in the process of that, you know, it was pretty tense in my family because the energetics of that, just the energetics alone are pretty tense. And now my mom at the reconciliation, my own personal reconciliation of that work has brought her back in, in such a beautiful way. Like we're adults now together, looking at each other as adults and going, wow, you're an adult. I'm an adult. This is cool. We're peers and we can support the rest of our family now. So two matriarchs working together is even more powerful. And it's a, you know, it's a force of love. So that's what's happening in my family as a result of doing this work. And so, yes, absolutely. It's a beautiful blessing to show my kids like don't don't ever settle in life. Don't don't just stay settled and stuck. Like if it's not working and you gave your all, get out, try something else. Yeah. I mean, I'm constantly telling my kids like, OK, like you go to college and you think you're going to do this and that and that's the thing you want to do. Great. Spend six months there. If you hate it, get out. Don't stay. Don't stay in anything that you think, you know, isn't working for you. You'll find the next thing and you'll get the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And it'll start to fall into place as you follow that voice inside. And everyone else will tell you you're crazy. They'll all be like, you shouldn't have let that job go. Or you shouldn't have let that relationship go. You should have stayed. But the proof's in the pudding. Like, how happy are you following your own heart? Right. That's the most important thing. Not what anybody else thinks about it. Yeah. Well, I just had such a soul sister connection with you right there talking about your mother. Uh, because my mom, I I walked away from her um, two years ago. Uh, got a call when I was visiting my son in Colorado, who lives in Colorado. And uh, for my sister, mom's in the hospital again, detox, alcohol, had been or severe alcoholic my whole life. And I said, I can't do it anymore. I need to be done. And, and walked away. Well, within a few months, um, and our, we ended up back together. And wow, are we in a beautiful place now because I stopped playing that role that you talked about. 
of being the savior, of being the one and always going in to clean up the mess. And uh, she had to do it for herself. And she's going to be celebrating two years sober in July. And uh, again, just it's so neat. Like you just said, I loved how you described it. We're adult to adult, mother and daughter, but um, we have this beautiful healed relationship now. And it's hard, right? Because that moment of letting go, like I had to also let go of my mom. Like I wrote a goodbye letter. I didn't send it to her. It wasn't that kind of goodbye letter, but it was like this big, long, like lifetime goodbye letter. Like, and I listed all the grudges, all the resentments, all the things I was still angry about, like all the things that every time I would see her, that'd be simmering under the surface, but I wouldn't want it to be there. So I try to pretend like it wasn't there and like smile over it, but actually I could feel it inside me. It was still there. I was still pissed off from the time I was 16. I was still, you know, harboring these resentments. So I went through and I just did this. I said, okay, Carrie, this is the last time you can grouse about any of this stuff. Like get it all out there. And we're going to say goodbye to that whole story. We're going to say goodbye to that mother that you created in your mind. Like that's done. So I wasn't saying like kill her off in my actual life. I was saying like, I'm done with this piece. Right. And so I wrote the whole thing and I was just really honest. I was more honest with myself than I'd been ever. And I expressed it all. And I just, I got it all out. I read it out loud to myself once. I read it to my husband once. I said, I just need to be witnessed in this. Like, this is what I feel. And I cried and I, I, you know, I raged, I shook my fist. I did the whole thing. And then I went to the fire and I gave it to fire and I said, okay, take it from me. It's done. And then I just held that space. I didn't try to put anything back in the space. And I want to share something. It's a little vulnerable and probably some people will be like, oh my God, I can't believe she's sharing that right now. But this is really important because what happens if we can't let go is we end up getting physical consequences. Like when we can't, when we're too afraid to let go of something that's already dying, already dead, already not useful anymore. Like my whole story about my mom was so not useful nor productive for many years of my life. Like that thing needed to go. It's it served me maybe for a while, but it but it was very clear for a long time that that, that old story I had created of her needed to die. But I just kept holding on to it because it gave me something, right? Some sick satisfaction, some excuse to be a victim, somebody to blame, right? It gave me something. So I kept holding on to this story. And then every so often it'd rear itself up again because she'd do something else. And I'd be like, see, you know, and I would connect the dots. Validation. Yeah. Yeah, See? (laughs) And so I finally, I I had to bring myself into a, a level of integrity. So I'm on the next level of that now. And... I, I actually, so this is the vulnerable part. So I, you know, apologize if this offends anybody, but I'm 51. And so at 51, you get a colonoscopy, right? You have to yeah. get one. Yeah. And so when I got mine, she, the doctor found three little polyps. And I want to say they're not cancerous. They confirmed right away Good. it's not. So don't worry about me, anybody out there. But she found three of them. And as she, you know, released them and got rid of them. And then the next day I was talking to my mentor and I was like, oh, they found these three things. And he's like, you know, Carrie, it can't escape my attention that you have three people in your life that you keep trying to like revive the relationship. You keep trying to revive something that's already dead because I want to have my family whole again. And I was, you know, you're right. These people have expressed they're done. They don't want to be part of a family. They don't want any connection with me, they've shut the door, they're done. And so why am I 
trying to resurrect the dead because it's having an effect in my body. Yeah. It's a negative outcome in my body to try to make someone receive love that doesn't want love from you. So I'm like, all right, that's my, that's my lesson. And when I looked it up online, I was so interested. Somebody wrote this beautiful article about, about the colon. And she was like, that's like death's territory. The colon is death's terrain. And if you have some problem there, like something starts to grow there that shouldn't be there, it's because you're trying to resurrect the dead. And you can't do that. None of us can. We're not powerful enough to resurrect the dead. So we have to like dig deep and accept the endings, accept the closures, accept when something has actually departed and let it go. Let it go on its death journey. Yeah. And then in its place, something new could come. Like it's very possible in letting that go at some point, either a new relationship comes in, maybe even with these same people, something fresh something inspired, something new, something of their choice, right? Then me trying to bring something in some continuity pattern from the past doesn't work. Yeah. And our body is such an amazing system for showing us what's happening to us spiritually and emotionally and mentally. It's like all in your body. It's so awesome. The metaphor of the body. Yeah. Wow. Well, and I love what you said about the whole burning of giving it back to fire, because I seriously wrote a letter of forgiveness to my mother, (laughs) (laughs) but it was, and I burned it and just to send that negative energy off to release it. So I love it. It's so awesome. Yeah, It's such a better solution than I've heard of some anger management coaches that have taught people. And I, every time I, somebody comes to me with this, I, I do my best to correct this pattern they're like, oh, yeah, take a picture of that person that you're having a problem with and go put that on a punching bag and beat it up. And I'm like, that is psychic attack. <laughs> That's actually psychic attack. And so don't do that, please, if you've ever been advised. Like, it, this is a much better solution is to realize that, you know, that anger, that frustration, that storyline, that's all inside you and has really very little to do with the other physical person has everything to do with yourself, right? Like that's what I learned so powerfully for myself is like, this is my story about my mom. This is nothing to do with the woman that birthed me. Yeah, that's fascinating. I had someone recently, uh, EFT or tapping uh, practitioner advised me get a wiffle ball bat and just like I have to finally let my anger out. I never dealt with my anger. Like we deal with every other emotion, but not the anger part of it, because mm. I think I felt the anger would consume me and destroy me, which probably is very accurate <laughs> of my fear. And so it was just like whack the anger out. And so of uh, perpetrators in my life, and I still have yet to do it. I'm still afraid of it uh, because I don't know, something's telling me that I don't want to whack the anger out. So I don't know. <laughs> Well, you know, that's a really interesting thing that you just brought up because a lot of people are afraid of anger. I would say even men are afraid of their own anger. I once had this man who was um, a client of mine. He was early 30s. He was a big, burly guy, really tall, really burly, and like the most gentle soul you could Mm -hmm. ever imagine. And he, he, as we got to know each other, most of the stuff we were working on is that his, he really felt powerless. Like he felt he didn't have a voice with his father. And he had so much pent up anger, but if he ever expressed anger, 
then other people would be so scared because he was such a big guy, right? So he felt he always had to stuff his anger and he couldn't release it. So I actually did this exercise with him. It's called Roar Like a Lion. And so we roared. So I, I went first. I said, I demonstrated how to do it. I was like, so you just roar. And so I just like sat there and I just let the roar come up like from my deepest part of me and all the way up through my throat and out like I was a lion in the jungle, you know, just like whew, roared it out. And then he looked at me like he didn't realize I had that much energy inside me. Like he was shocked that I could do that. And then he started to try and he was like sputtered and sputtered. He just, cause he's like, I can't yell at a woman. And I said, nonsense, do it now. And he was like, Rah! and then he couldn't stop. It took like, you know, 10 minutes to get it all out. He was, he was happy after that. Yeah. His whole relationship with his dad changed after he did that, after he purged that anger. That's fascinating. All right. I might use the whiffle ball bat after all. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's really great practice. Get rid of that anger. Just like yeah. let it all out. Right, right. <laughs> That's awesome. So anything that you wanted to tap upon that we haven't had an opportunity to steer towards yet? Yeah, I would just, um, I would say that a lot of the work that I'm doing um, in my business now is helping moms to um, feel confident within themselves and to be healed and whole within themselves. Uh, because that is, creates a huge impact on our kids. You know, oftentimes um, moms will seek help because their kids are having problems, you know, and they'll go, oh, I need to help my child. And so do you do a session with my child? And I often get asked that, can you, can you do a session with my child? Can you do a healing? And it's like, I can, and I'm pretty sure I need to work with you. <laughs> like that's, I need to go with you actually. Like you're the one who sees it. You're the one who feels it. And so we need to do the work together. So um I just want to encourage that if anybody's feeling that, you know, you're noticing it in our kids, we're actually noticing our own patterns being expressed through our kids. That's what we're noticing. And we have the power to heal that right within us. So we don't actually need our kids to like see it or understand it or anything. If we do the work within ourselves, we're actually healing that ancestrally. So that's the encouragement is to take ownership of that and do the healing work and really dive in and be that be that emissary of your ancestors, you know, to create the new earth experience for generations to come by doing these um, healings that are like stop patterns, you know, like we're stopping that pattern. We're not bringing that forward anymore. That one's going to be ended with me. I, I, and again, I, I love that philosophy of saying it's stopping here uh, so that it doesn't carry forward. And what a gift to yeah, your family to your future generations and past. I now know. Yeah, yeah, we heal the whole the whole thing. That's and awesome. you know, if if we can all be more comfortable with our emotions too, we can be like you just said. You know, like oh, I've never gotten rid of my anger. Well, that's another one. Like, wouldn't we want our kids to be able to fully express themselves? And and that's happened for me. And I got to tell you, my both of my sons have expressed anger with me. And both times I, you know, it was like this inner dialogue of like my, my little girl who had a really scary father that was very angry, like when I was young, stepfather. And that came up inside me and I was aware of it. And the whole time I'm like holding space for them and I'm aware of all this stuff going on inside of me. And, but I was able to let them express, you know, and that's the important thing is when we can let them express um, I think the first time it happened, I didn't react very well with my older son. I kind of freaked out. It, it, it got me rattled. 
And even though I do this work with clients, so it's natural, you know, um, to have that experience and what a powerful world we would live in if everyone was able to just kind of be safe expressing, be safe expressing themselves, knowing that there's nothing going to be scary or violent happening as a result of that expression. It's just an expression. It's just to get it off your chest and, and to feel it, to heal it. Yes. And I've had that same conversation with my oldest son and I love it that I'm now able to allow him the opportunity to talk as he does his healing work and say, we're, what I tell him is we're all on our own healing journeys. And so I'm just honoring where you are along yours. And he just so appreciates that, that I can now give that to him where I hadn't been able to. So, yeah. That's and great. that you're honoring him and that you're not taking it personally, you know, yeah. that it, you know, so many of us as moms, I know myself in the past, before I really started waking up to this, I would take it all personally. Like if they weren't happy, like something I did, or it was my fault somehow. And it was like, make it icky for them to share with me. Now it's this like much cleaner boundary space. It's like, it's easy to be just a safe place for sharing because you're not going to take it personally. You're not going to like harbor it and then bring it up later. You know, all these patterns that like I'm saying, we're stopping that now. We don't need to do those patterns anymore. We can have, we can be a safe place for anything to be shared, knowing that tomorrow it could be completely different, right? I mean, how often, how fast do we change? We change yeah. all the time. Right, right. So now how do people get a hold of, get in touch with you, work with you? Yes. Yeah, so my website is carriehummingbird.com. That's K-E-R-R-I hummingbird.com. And on the website, you have access to my books, uh, the second wave book, which I mentioned for anybody who feels like, I think I'm the black sheep of my family. And I've been doing all this work for the like last 40, 50 years of my life. <laughs> you might be part of the second wave. Um, and also the love is fear is healing the mother wound, which is the book I wrote this year, released this year about the um, in-depth work I did to heal the mother wound within me to show up in this much more beautiful mother goddess space that I, my kids get to enjoy now, my mom gets to enjoy and building our family structure back again and on a new foundation, a new yeah. foundation of love. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, it's just been such a joy to have you here today. And I, again, I thank you for shining your light and um, joining us. Thank you, Terry. And thank you, everybody out there. Hope that helped. Yes, I'm sure it will. I know it's, I've certainly learned uh, during this conversation. So, all right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And remember until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Terry Welbrock again. Just wanted to thank you for listening to the episode today and remind you to visit my website as well as the Academy terrywellbrock.com for the courses but if you go to my website terrywellbrock.com you can sign up for my monthly hope for healing newsletter which is also jam-packed with information and strategies and blog pieces and guest blog pieces and links to shows um, and just a great space for uh, again healing and hope strategies Thanks for, again, being here and being a part of this healing space. I very much appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye.